Welcome to Reboot for Connection, the podcast dedicated to understanding connection at work. This is where we talk to leaders, communications professionals, and other subject matter experts about how organizations are now intentional about designing for connection in the workplace. Real connection to people, mission, and the work itself. We explore what can be achieved when this is approached as a strategic initiative. My name is Jürgen Abo, and this podcast is brought to you by ScreenCloud. Now, let's get into the good stuff. Synthetic media is a fascinating new area that we'll learn a lot about from today's guest. He is an entrepreneur and a technologist, and he's the founder and CEO of a company that is a true pioneer in this area of synthetic video. Another fellow Scandinavian, this is pretty nice. Um, thank you so much, Victor Ripperbelli, for joining us. Thanks, John. Good to, good to be here. Yeah, another fellow, uh, fellow Scandinavian, another Dane. This is great, man. <laughs> yeah, I know. So um, before we get into the specifics of synthetic video, um, there's so much we want to cover there. I just wanted to ask you, what's your point of view on how media is evolving? Yeah, so that's a great question. So I think that synthetic media is, you know, kind of what I think of as what's going to be happening in the next 10 years. If uh, we zoom out a little bit on the media landscape, I, I see kind of, you know, uh, the old media is, is TV, newspapers, the kind of enabling technology here was in large part broadcasting uh, and to some extent the printing press. We then moved into this kind of new media age where we have the internet, we have social media and all of a sudden distribution was uh, democratized, right? So anyone can kind of broadcast anything to anyone uh, all over the world. Synthetic media is gonna be defined by the democratization of the, um, the actual creation of the content, right? So whereas today, something like uh, producing video content, for example, requires you to go out with a camera and film uh, and have a film set and all these kind of things, very physical process, it's very expensive. The kind of toolbox to create high fidelity video content is gonna be democratized to the point where I think in 10 years or 15 years time, you can create a Hollywood film on your laptop, right? This kind of sounds outrageous to many people, but if you look at media, this is, this is a, it's a kind of evolve, a natural evolvement of what's been happening for a long time, right? You have Photoshop came out in 1991. We can now digitally create images very easily. In music, you can, on a laptop, create a chart-topping hit because we can synthesize all the instruments and the effects that you otherwise would have as physical pieces of equipment. With text, you know, once the internet and computers came out to digitalize that, and the price of production became near zero. So I think video is gonna be the next step here along with speech. Um, and really the kind of inflection point that we're at now is that AI and deep learning technologies are now able to imitate the real world and in particular humans at such a high fidelity that it's become really, really interesting for, for production. So I think the next 10 years is gonna be defined by the democratization of content creation in many different forms. And I think the technical way of thinking of that is that we're gonna be going from recording media with cameras and microphones to programming it with computers. That said, of course, I think all the content we're creating today in Hollywood will still exist. They'll still produce lots of films, but there'll be this kind of new type of media that emerges, which is all around um, uh, synthetically generated content. It's a fascinating take. Um, I, I appreciate that perspective so much. So. Where does Synthesia fit into that? What's the mission that you guys are on? So at Synthesia, really what we're concerned with is to make it easier to create video content for, for anyone, right? So as I kind of alluded to uh, before, 
shooting video content today, and I'm talking about live action uh, with humans in it, um, it's generally a process of, you know, you kind of write a script, you find an actor, you get a studio, you get a film crew, do some post-production, and now you have your piece of video. Even if it's a very simple video, like a corporate communications type of, of, uh, of a video, announcing, you know, a new strategy or quarterly sales, something like that, it's a quite involved process if you want it to look good. What we're developing is a content generation platform that allows you to uh, take that process and compress it down to just create an AI presenter of yourself or use one of our stock presenters, select that person, type in the script for your video, add any backgrounds or images that you want in there, click generate, and in five to 10 minutes, you have a piece of video content that looks like a real video. So it's really just making it, you know, a thousand times more affordable, a thousand times faster to create uh, this type of video content. Now that gets a little bit more interesting once you get into um, using an API, for example, which we just released, where it's not, the process is now not that, you know, someone from marketing sits down and creates each video sort of one by one. Now you can actually programmatically create video content, uh, which could be something like taking the data that you already have in your company um, and turning that into video content. Let's say you have uh, a database of sports results. There's a big project with David Reuters. How do you take those sports results, transform them into a script for a video and automatically generate a video and do so every day without any human intervention at all? Or you can do things like personalize all your video content. So if you're sending out messages to customers, to employees, you can sort of at the very high level, you can use their name or their company and address them directly. But also if you have more data around this proficiency level or where they are in the customer cycle, for example, that can also uh, sort of dynamically change the script and the content of the video. And this is where it becomes really interesting to use video for, for much more of the communication different than what we're doing today. What's compelling to me about that is that you're really talking about bringing massive scale to video production of content that in many cases wouldn't actually be video, right? It would be text. It would be long web pages or long PDFs or something like that. Is, am, am I picking up that the right way that what you're really solving for, especially perhaps in the near term, is that you can take a bunch of text and data and all the stuff that is really not so great to consume and turn it into videos at scale? Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's you're pinpointing exactly kind of the way we think about this, right? We think of the type of videos that we create today, not as a competitor, an alternative to, to the real emotive video that most companies are creating today, but merely as kind of a more, uh, a better way to make information accessible, right? So as, as you mentioned here, you know, and to give you a real example of that, one of our customers is, is one of the largest grocery chains here in Europe. They have lots of subsidiaries around continental Europe. And in those subsidiaries, you know, they'll have both full-time and part-time workers. They might be cashiers or just running around filling up the store. And this is quite a large base of employees that, that they have to communicate with. Um, that's made kind of more complex by the fact that some of these are part-time it's in 15 different languages because it's in different countries. And you also have a group of people who um, might not be super literate. And even if they are, maybe are definitely not interested in sitting and reading a six page PDF file around you know, new security measures or COVID guidelines or, or something like that, right? What we can do here is we can say, let's take the content that you already have as written text and make these kind of easy to digest videos that are a couple of minutes long. We can create them in the language of, um, of, uh, of, of the specific employee in the specific country. We can do it very, very fast. And 
all you have to do now is either gather all of your employees in a room and say, hey, you need to watch this video for four minutes. Or you can, of course, send them a link and they can watch it from home. Um, and that's just a way, a much, much better way to communicate uh, with, with, uh, with these specific type of employees than it would be to send them long emails, which they, quite frankly, not probably not really are going to read. Yeah, I think we can all probably attest to that, right? When we get the, when we get a lot of text these days, it's it's uh, hard to um, hard to digest. Um, you know, for folks who might think this feels a bit foreign, feels like a pretty big step forward, right? Um, I imagine you're thinking about you know some of the parallels that we've seen too, right? Like with how email is now automated and stuff. Can you maybe just talk a little bit more about how this is a pretty, you know, it sounds big, but it is probably a pretty natural evolution, isn't it? Yeah, I would say so. I think, you know, if, if you look at history, humans have always, uh, you know, been on this trajectory towards more visual and more interactive modes of communication that kind of uh, are closer and closer aligned to having an actual one-to-one -one conversation, right? And if you take something, uh, you know, like, uh, like video, the reason we're communicating so much with video today and we wasn't 20 years ago, it's not because people developed a preference for video today, it's because it's now technically possible to communicate with video really quite easily, like we're doing right now on, on, on Zoom, for example, right? Um, so I think it's, it's, it's just gonna be more and more for communication, it's gonna move into these more interactive and visual formats. And if you take something like email, right? Uh, as you mentioned, like the, the, when email was kind of launched, more or less 100% of all emails were written by humans. Today, it's probably less than 1% and probably also a lot less than that. That's actually written by humans. Most of the emails we receive is transactional emails. It's uh, marketing emails that might be annoying. But really, it's just kind of an automated way of communicating with people. And I think all of that uh, kind of automated communication, that's very much about information delivery. I think a large part of that is, is going to switch to video. So I think it, it, it does feel foreign and does feel very new to a lot of people and might also feel a little bit weird. but People have felt like this all the way out through history, right? Once the first printing press were put in action and people could easily um, copy things and create new papers with information on them, it was also very weird and it was very strange and all of a sudden everyone could kind of produce content, right? It used to be that only the wealthy and the powerful could actually create anything in writing. Um, so I think it's like, it is a very natural uh, trajectory that we're on. And um, obviously this is not like a hundred percent that applies to everything, right? Some people prefer to read um, some for some, different things, but research shows that when we watch a video, because more of our senses are engaged, um, we can see things and it's kind of a, a contained piece of information. We just retain it better and we are more engaged when we watch, right? And I think this is like, even looking outside of research, I think if you just look at the world and how people are creating content and communicating with each other, this is just, I think, very natural, right? You have in, in HR, for example, which is one of the areas that we work a lot with, uh, for the past 10, uh, 20 years, maybe, or something like that, we've seen the advent of these like animated style explainer videos, right? Also for a lot of, of tech startups, where you have these kind of stickmen and they're used to illustrate certain concepts. Um, and why would you spend time on that, right? You could also just send it in a PDF. Um, so it's kind of something that we all accept today that video is a better medium for communication. And those kind of stickmen and animated characters is really just kind of a substitute for being able to shoot real uh, human video, right? Obviously not in every single instance, but generally speaking, we're using those stickmen, those animated characters, because it just makes it come alive uh, more, right? So, um, so that, that, that really is kind of the, the, the kind of main value of the kind of technology we're building is just that watching a video 
is much more engaging and you have a much higher retention of the content um, when you're watching a video versus when you're reading a piece of text. Yeah, brilliant. Um, you mentioned the large grocery chain. I know that you also work with um, one of the large ad agency groups. Can you tell us a little bit about that relationship and, and what you guys are doing there? Yeah, sure. So WPP has been a long time partner of ours. We've done uh, you know, a lot of external facing campaigns with them, but around six months ago, we did a really, really interesting and first in the world uh, project with them around uh, online learning. So WP is one of the world's largest advertising conglomerates. They have, uh, I think, 100,000 employees all over the world. And basically what they were doing is they had to put together this course on digital transformation. So for each of uh, the employees, they all have clients and they need to take them on the journey of becoming you know, a digital company. And to do that, they wanted to put together a really condensed course of 20 modules consisting of five minutes each that would take them through different types of technologies that's transforming our world. Now, this whole course was, uh, first of all, generated entirely on the Tizia platform. So all of the actors, all the scripts, everything was basically built on, uh, on the app that you saw before. But we also took it a step further than that. So we also introduced um, a layer of personalization to these videos, as I kind of alluded to a little bit before. So for each of these 50,000 employees, WPP obviously has um, data points around them. You know, at the very basic level, they obviously know their name. They know which agency that they work in. They know which uh, country they're based in, the city they live in. But they also know uh, roughly the, their proficiency levels in different subject areas. They know the role of the person, which also uh, has some correlation with how much you know about a particular subject. And using these data points, we could actually tailor each single course to the employee. So at the basic level, it would say, hey, Victor, hey, Jan, welcome to the course. Uh, but more interestingly, it would be served in the language that they preferred to have it in, so the, the, the country they were based in. And also these things around profession and roles would be used to essentially change the script and changing how you describe certain things um, to better match with whoever's watching it, right? So this is actually 50,000 completely individual unique courses that was generated on the platform. And I think this is a, was a very cool, very successful project where you know, not only did they save a lot of money, I think it was 12 times more affordable than had they done it the traditional way, but it also opened up this entirely new world of, of kind of uh, scaled one-to-one -one communication via video, right? I think this is just a, a very early indicator of what's to come over the next five years. Yeah, so it occurs to me that there are so many use cases for this technology, right? But one that really comes to mind for me is this world of internal comms, um, where there's so much that we could do in organizations to better communicate with and engage um, and connect with really like employees, right? Um, we could all get more connected at work. And, and this seems like a, a great, great opportunity for that. Can you talk a little bit about that specifically, how you see that working? Yeah, certainly. I think you're, I think you're very right. And I think we're at a quite interesting point in, uh, in, in time right now where lots of big companies have spent, uh, you know, the last couple of years really kind of structuring their data, getting their data to a place where it's easy to work with. Um, and now the kind of big question is what can you use all that data for? And there's the obvious ones, you know, which is around analytics, customer lifecycle, all these things that kind of is obvious to everyone. But I think what is interesting from my perspective is um, that data 
is really valuable, but how can you communicate uh, the most important parts of that data to the people in your organization, right? And given that the nature of a lot of this data is that it's, it's kind of, sort of something that you harvest maybe in real time or it comes in quickly, it provides some really interesting cases where you can take that data and turn it into video content. So let's say you need to update uh, your uh, different sales teams on their sales numbers or their manager on their sales numbers, or something like that, right? You have all the data. So without kind of solution, what you can do is you can take that data and make that into a nice video where someone is talking about the sales figures. Maybe there's a you know, table of uh, who sold how much and which regions did you sell it in and whatever kind of properties that you want to showcase. And that can be done fully automatically. And that's where I think this becomes really exciting, right? If you can set up these systems that automatically generate video content to deliver information to your employees that are kind of, that are functioning auto autonomously once you've set them up once. And so I think that's something we're going to be seeing a lot more of. And we're already working on some, some quite interesting use cases, especially if you match it up with something like ScreenCloud, where you actually have the screens around the office. You can have your own kind of company TV in a box almost, right? That automatically creates the content, automatically distributes the content around. And you just have a workforce that's way more in, 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 informed about like what is actually going on in your company. Hmm. Exactly. And being informed about what's actually happening with the business, not just, I mean, yeah, it's the happy birthday and all that stuff, but, but understanding like the work that's being done and the business progress that's coming from it without having to sift through massive spreadsheets that's extremely valuable for people actually feeling connected to the company and feeling that their work is connected to the greater purpose. So just getting, getting really visual with that in any way, uh, especially in a way like this sounds so, so powerful. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's, it's, it's really, really powerful. And I think, you know, a lot of organizations are, especially in this time of, of, of COVID and people work from home, it's just even more important that your communication is, is on point, right? When you don't have each other face to face. And I think good asynchronous communication is great. And especially if you can avoid in text where I think we all have kind of a lot of email fatigue now that we just sit at home at our desk and, and stare at our inbox uh, all day. Some of us do at least. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You could just see the implications around learning and development around internal communications all about you know how we consume content in our work lives right where companies necessarily have a lot of stuff they need to share and this just ends up being something that with us as consumers right the way we're wired now it just it just absolutely makes sense um that's great thanks for sharing that um you know i, I suppose i do have to ask you know another question about this um and i think Personally, it's a bit of a naive question. I don't really want to ask it, but I think it's it's important to ask nonetheless. Um, deep fakes, right? So what happens when this technology gets in the wrong hands? And how do you feel about that? How do you think about that? And and how do you how do you approach it um, knowing that 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 is a you know looming threat out there today, right? Yeah, so that is obviously a very important question and something that's that's really important that we that we address and, and think about right because like any other technology uh, this type of technology certainly can can be misused um, there's kind of two ways of thinking about it you know from us there's a, a kind of what i think of as the local perspective as in how do we ensure that our software doesn't get used to do things that that we shouldn't do and um, that's 
pretty easy to solve. We have, you know, we work with corporate clients. Uh, you can only work in kind of very specific constraints with the access that we have and the type of tech you can put in. But then there is a kind of a broader piece, which is, you know, outside of Synthesia, other people can develop these technologies and what are the potential solutions to reducing uh, misuse, right? Um, one of them is like detection of deep fakes, which is the kind of simple answer. I think that can be a good short-term solution. We work with companies like Google, for example, on providing trading data and for these kind of detection algorithms. But I do think it's like, it, it's not gonna be a good solution for the long-term. The more interesting thing for the long-term is think of it like Shazam, but for video, uh, where essentially you can verify where and when did a piece of video emerge and where did it come from. So there always know if you're watching something from the BBC that is actually is from the BBC. So there's several different technical solutions. We kind of involved in them. And I think it's really important that we do something before it actually becomes a problem. We actually have the chance to do that, right? Now, if we zoom out a little bit from that, I think it's also very interesting how, you know, when you look at the history of technology, uh, how history definitely re repeats itself. And if it doesn't repeat itself, it definitely rhymes, right? So every time these kind of new technologies come out, we go through these phases of, um, you know, kind of slightly moral panic. When, when I was a teenager and I was playing a lot of computer games, people were, you know, in the media, like if you play computer games, you're going to end up becoming a serial killer. Um, when, uh, you know, when Bitcoin came out, it was probably a tool for, for laundering criminals. Um, and, and, you know, when like all other technologies that have emerged, you kind of see the same type of horror stories when they first emerge. Time goes on and society kind of adapts and builds an ecosystem around it, right? You know, when I was a kid, for example, uh, I think it's also always a kind of a fun example that's very dear to me because it was in my, in, my, in my young years. But when you could download music illegally online, the whole record industry was like, you know, there's, there's never going to be any new music made. Musicians are going to be dying on the street. What are we going to do? And uh, what emerged out of that is obviously Apple Music and Spotify and all these new things. So things change. And, you know, uh, there's certainly um, things that are not always great about that. But I have a lot of faith in, in humanity and, and how we're going to handle these problems. And I do think that with something like deep fakes and this kind of technology, what we'll be seeing is that 99.9% .9 of content created is positive. And there's going to be some people who misuse it. We need to address that. And this is the same pattern we're seeing in other things like Bitcoin or, uh, you know, whatever technology you can think of, cars, telephones, the internet, a small set of people misuse it. And we need to do what we can to, um, to reduce that, right? So I think, uh, I think that's, uh, it, it's obviously like a, a very long-winded topic. I think maybe just one final thought to add to it um, that I find quite important is that, you know, it's very easy to kind of say, think of this as like, freeze the world now, what's going to happen in three years with deepfakes? That's kind of how most people think about it, right? But what actually happens is that society evolves around it and nothing kind of lives in a silo and deepfake doesn't either. And I think one of the things that I think people miss a little bit about this is that from an educational perspective, right? You know, texts and photos we've been able to forge for the last 30 years, um, it's something we kind of know can happen and society still stands, right? With video, it's really important that we communicate to people that this is now possible and that you should be more skeptical if you see video content, particularly something that might seem highly shocking, or offensive, or strange to you. And actually what's happening right now is that you know, the positive uses of synthetic media by far uh, uh, it, it outsizes the negative use. And I think that before, you, know, you can create clips of politicians that says things they didn't say in a somewhat believable way, People end up exposed to their favorite celebrities, giving them birthday cards, 
getting their personalized news, maybe on their workplace, on the screen cloud screen, they'll get personalized birthday messages from the CEO. And so people will naturally be exposed to these kind of things and will, you know, um, build this kind of, uh, 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 kind of mind share that, that this stuff is now possible, right? So I think education is actually the most important part of this, but there's certainly also technical solutions that, that can help address uh, some of these problems. I really appreciate how much you've obviously thought about it. You know, it's not surprising. Um, you've probably have been asked that question a million times too. But um, it's, it's so important that we put these things in perspective, right? Because I think the knee-jerk reaction with anything like this, and that's why I called it a bit of a naive question, I still think it's a very important one, just like you said. But as humans, we tend to have these very knee-jerky, scared reactions about this stuff, and we, we forget the bigger context, right? Like we forget the fact that most technologies have criminals, bad guys, bad actors as part of the early adopters. That happens, right? Um, if you're a bad guy, you're gonna look for ways to do bad stuff, and so you're gonna you're just necessarily gonna innovate and be on be on that edge. Um, but when we forget, you know, all the possibilities, all the positives, and we allow ourselves to be, you know, to slip into that negative, pessimistic point of view, is I think when we when we lose out on the opportunity to actually push ourselves forward. Um, so yeah, I just really, I appreciate your take on it. With all that being said, what's, what does the future look like for Synthesia and for you? And I mean, I, I imagine this is like a bit of like your life's work in the making, right? Like this is, you're in this moment. What, what are you projecting? What are you seeing? I mean, I think the next year is going to be incredibly exciting. I think, you know, the tech is now finally at a, at a stage where it's, it's kind of accessible. Uh, and you can easily build things with it and they can actually scale, right? It's taking a long time to get it to that point. And what we are seeing now is just like mass adoption of our platform towards everyone from Fortune 500 companies who are kind of you know, building these workflows around communicating more with video internally to individual creators who sit in Brazil, or India and create online courses that teach people how to program, how to sell, something like that. Um, and we're kind of seeing all these use cases emerging and we've kind of seen the pattern, right? And I think that, you know, putting the kind of business part of this aside, uh, the intellectual side of me just loved seeing how this media is being formed, right? And the way you see how this kind of new medium will take shape is by giving it to people. And that's the stage that we're in right now. So while there's still lots of things that will improve and over the next three years, I think we'll see immense leaps in, in the kind of quality and fidelity we can achieve. Um, that's just a really exciting journey, right? So we're running very fast in Synthesia Office at the moment, working with, with lots of, of good clients. And, um, and I'm just like really excited to just see the space grow and, and you know, make the information, the world's information more visual. I think that's, that's kind of our mission. It's, it's very simple, but I think the more we can allow uh, both humans, but also algorithms to express themselves in visual data, uh, the more information is accessible to more people around the world, right? And essentially, you know, that, that is what it's all about. Yeah. Ah, fantastic, Victor. Um, appreciate you spending this time with us and sharing. This has been this has been great. Thank you so so much. Yeah, thanks, John. Yeah, thank you so much for listening. It's my sincere hope you found something you can apply towards greater connection in your work life. If so, an honest review would certainly be welcomed. Reboot for Connection is brought to you by ScreenCloud. You can find us wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And we'd be honored if you subscribe to this one. 
You may also email us at reboot at screencloud.com with any reactions or ideas you might have for us. Hope to catch you again next time.